Easter is not that far away, right? It's clicking down on us, but we just want to keep, uh, want you to keep it in mind. Encourage you to reach out to your neighbors, reach out to your family members, maybe that are uh, away from the Lord, people that aren't in church. Sometimes people just get out of the habit. Isn't it true? And they, and they just need a reason. Be that reason for them. Be that reason for them to get back in there and, and uh, be part of the things of God. And their life will be better for it. Um, I've got a number for you. You ready? You don't have to write it down. 766. In, in other words, 766 dollars. 766 dollars. That number is the number that I looked at this morning. I have a little app on my phone that rounds up my transactions from my card, and it rounds it up to the nearest dollar. And I did it 11 months ago and, and then basically forgot about it. And now there's $766 in a savings account. Actually, it's an investment account, by the way this thing works. It, it amazes me how much automation can help you do the right things. How many of you have ever struggled with saving money? I'll raise both my hands. In our family, there's, it's funny how this, this works. Holly's the saver and I'm the spender. And, and, you know, the, the thing that you have to do with a spender is you have to keep them closely tethered to the, to the facts. Because if you don't keep them closely tethered to the facts, they just go on and have a good time. And I used to go off and have a good time, and then we couldn't pay the power bill, or we couldn't pay this, or we couldn't pay that, because I've been having a good time. And then I'd come back to her and say, how come we don't have any money? She said, mm-hmm. But I've gotten better over the years. It's taken a, a while. But uh, now I experiment because I experiment with things like habits, getting the right habits. The Christian life really comes down to get the right habits in place. If you get those right habits in place, they'll take care of you. It might be a little harder at first to get those habits established. But once you establish those habits, there's freedom in those habits, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, I'm talking about you make a habit of reading the word. You make a habit of prayer. You make a habit of, of uh, you know, every time you get together uh, with other believers, you encourage them in the Lord. You make a habit of it. Um, I just want to I want to stress that to you as it relates to your giving today. Um, some some time ago, I was sitting with a group of pastors, and we were talking about how they give. This is pastors in the community, and uh, I had had a couple in in my office, and I'd done premarital counseling, so it was fresh in my mind. And they were younger uh, on the younger side, like in their in their uh, late teens, early twenties. And uh, so I got talking about finances and uh, setting themselves up to win financially, all that kind of stuff. And I I said I, I did this intentionally. I said, who, who hangs on to the checking account? Who balances the checkbook is how I used it. And they look at me like I had two heads. Because this generation coming up doesn't mess with checks. They haven't been taught to write cursive in, in elementary school, so they can't write a check the way we would traditionally. I'm not, I'm not dissing anybody. I'm just saying this is the reality of our world, right? And so, I, 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 so they looked at me like, checks what's a check you know and uh and so we had a good laugh over it and then we talked through it but i was talking with these pastors i said you know guys i said if you if you don't do electronic giving at your church you are making it impossible for the next generation to give to the lord 
because they're not going to write a check and they're probably not carrying cash. How many of you carry less cash now than you did, say, 15 years ago before the convenience of the debit card and all that kind of stuff? That's right. Most of us don't. And so right now, so if I were to say uh, right now, and this is a snapshot from a year ago when I asked the question, so I don't know where we're at now, but about 40% of, of the, the people that give to Lighthouse give through electronic means. Um, that means they're giving online or they're giving at the kiosk at the back or whatever. One of the ways that we, we kind of uh, don't talk about a lot is the ACH. This is the automatic clearing house. This is a bank draft from uh, your account to pay your tithe into the church's account. Now, the, this one is by far the least expensive. Uh, you probably don't have one of these. There's about 50 of them on, that, on the table at Inside Lighthouse. Um, the, other, the other pages we'll deal with in a little bit. But this is an ACH form. And the reason I bring it up is because every time you swipe a card or use the uh, account on the church website or whatever, there's a merchant fee that is attached to that. That's a you know, percentage of that gift ends up going to pay for the service. With this one, it's either free or really cheap. Is it free? It's free. Beverly says it's free. So, uh, so there's no there's no middleman that's that's dealing with that, and so your tithe and everything goes directly into the church. Now, the reason I bring up the two of those things together is because oftentimes the biggest challenge we have when we want to uh, develop a new discipline is moving into the place to where it's automatic. I mean, case in point, how many of you ever, um, have you ever got up in the morning and uh, pr provided you probably do this, you brushed your teeth and then forgot you did, or you put on deodorant and forgot you did, and you, you, you go through certain habits because they're, they're automatic, like you, you, you ended up in the shower and then forgot how you got there, you know, it's like you didn't remember the steps prior to because it got automated, right, it was automated, and, uh, and so you didn't think about it anymore, and because you didn't think about it, it didn't burden you, your mind was totally somewhere else, and you were just, and I, I want you to get that way with giving. I want you to get that way with saving. I want you to get to the place where it just is so much a part of who you are and what you do. It just happens automatically. Do you give to God? Yes, I give to God, and I can show you the proof. Because what happens is, and you know, uh, life begins to crowd us, and we, we forget. We just get distracted from what we were doing. This is uh, well-founded in Scripture. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 16, you thought I couldn't take up an offering without Scripture, didn't you? Here it is. Now about the collection for God's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up, so that when I have come, no collections will have to be made. So he says, automate this process. Just set it aside. You know, save it up, then give that. And I would encourage you, whether it's through ACH, uh, whether it's through, you know, if you, if you want to do it on the website because it's easier or you set up, uh, you know, an automatic bill pay and send your tithe in, auto, uh, you know, in an automated fashion, it is freeing to just move over into the automated part and then it just gets done. And just like that $766 that I've been rounding up from all of my debit card purchases for the last 11 months, I just say, man, how did that money get there? Truth is, it's not my money. It's baby Nora's money that's going to arrive in May. And uh, so a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. And so I'm paying it forward into my, my first grandchild's life. All right. Woo! So praise God for that. Let's, uh, let's uh, pray over the offering. Ushers, if you'll come.
Lord, we thank you that giving is not only spiritual, but it's also very practical. And Lord, the areas that we've tripped over, the practicality of it, I pray that you would strengthen us and that you would grow us and you would help us uh, to move into a stronger place of maturity so that we can be those people who honor you, uh, Lord, and, and we've just chosen to do that and honor you and we keep on paying it forward. Lord, there are so many that need to hear the gospel. There are so many that need the message that we share. And Lord, the only way that it gets there is if we pay it forward. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege of uh, contributing into the needs of this house for your glory and your name's sake. Amen. Amen. God bless you. So about 14 years ago, I met a ponytailed, beer-drinking, Red skin jacket wearing Daniel McKee. And Jesus got a hold of him. And God changed his life. And I've watched over the last 14 years uh, Daniel's development uh, into a man of God who went on to get his bachelor's and is currently working on his master's in organizational leadership. Um, which we are paying for so that as he, as he grows, we get the benefit of that growth. We're investing in his life. And uh, over the years, I probably at times spent more time with Daniel through our running uh, excursions and our half marathon that we did together that was the worst day of my life, Daniel. You made it great. But, uh, but aside from that, that first half marathon was, whoa. Anyway. Um, but Daniel and I did it together, and, uh, and I have to say he's a son of this house. He's also a son of my heart. When you hear uh, Daniel speak, he may not say it exactly the way I would say it from the head, but you will hear my heart coming through uh, in the ministry as he ministers. And so um, when we got to this stage in this, uh, this sermon series, the, the Church I See, which is basically a, a, a long protracted vision statement of Lighthouse Worship Center, uh, as we move forward in this, one of the things that I wanted you to get a hold of um, is that this is not just my vision, but this is our vision. And sometimes many of the things that you've heard heard me say uh, actually were, were worked through in prayer between Daniel and I and others on the executive leadership team and Holly. I'm the one that happens to say it, but all those ideas are not necessarily mine. And so uh, I wanted him to speak into this portion on servant leadership uh, because he's got a wonderful perspective on that. So Daniel, why don't you come on up here? Let's welcome him. <laughs> Praise God. Go for it. Thank you, doctor. pretty easy working for a doctor. <laughs> Following a doctor. Yeah, that's my life. It's great. Uh, it's great to be here this morning. I'm excited uh, to bring the word. Uh, like Pastor Ken said, I've been, uh, I'm 10 months in to a two-year program at uh, Regent to get my master's in organizational leadership with an emphasis on servant leadership, which is what I'm going to talk to you about today. Particularly, I'm going to talk to you about spirit-led servant leadership. The whole reason um, I'm going to school is that when I'm complete, when I complete my degree, I'm going to take a little break and then we're going to, I'm going to come back and we're going to launch a school of supernatural leadership in this house. Yeah, you don't have to get excited, but I would. <laughs> this is what I know. 
the next great awakening is upon us. It's upon us. It's coming. And I know maybe uh, I don't know everybody in here, and I don't know your perspective or your background, but Jesus is coming back, <laughs> and he's going to wrap this thing up. And before this all gets wrapped up, there's going to be a move of God uh, that's going to draw as many people as possible into the kingdom. And I don't not only want to participate, but I want us to develop a school that is full of disciples of Jesus that would lead uh, beyond the cutting edge of that great awakening. Uh, I know that we currently are located in ordinary Virginia, uh, but God's going to do something extraordinary in our midst. And so I'm here uh, this morning just to talk to you a little bit about the, the, the foundation of what uh, that is going to be about in regards to uh, spirit-led servant leadership. I believe God wants to build an army from this house, uh, three generations uh, fold to build an army that would preach the gospel to the other most parts of the world. We're going to plunder hell and populate heaven. We're going to see the sick healed and the dead raised, and we're going to make the name of Jesus famous in all the earth. And let me, let me just tell you this. I mean, my name is Daniel McKee, and I am a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And listen, I, I say that to say this. My relationship with Jesus is of the utmost importance. And so when I'm in here and I am passionate about Jesus, I am passionate about Jesus at home. I am passionate about Jesus without a microphone. Jesus Christ changed my life. Over 15 years ago, I encountered Christ and my life was radically changed in a good way. Jesus changes everything. And I have seen him work so many things in my life and in others' lives. And so when I stand here today, I might be ordained, I might be getting my master's, but whatever, I stand before you as a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And I am here to inspire you to encourage you to deepen your relationship with Jesus Christ. Not a man, the man that died on that cross for you so that you could be free. And that is where I'm coming from today, all right? So I'm gonna get into the message today. I wanna talk to you about spirit-led servant leadership. Now, you're gonna have to go with me for the next eight minutes or so. Trust me. Here's what I need you to do. If you don't know me, I need you to trust me right now. <laughs> Let's throw in some faith out there. The easiest, the, the simplest definition for leadership is influence. Leadership is influence. North House states that leadership is the ability of an individual to influence a group of people to perform a specific goal. The ability of an individual to influence a group of people to accomplish a specific goal. Now, as I've been studying leadership, I have, I have, uh, 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 noticed that there's a huge gap in leadership. I would call it a chasm, huge, like huge. And the, the gap is from the word of God to modern concepts of leadership. And there's a simple reason for this. Over the last hundred years, the secular world has studied leadership 
uh, uh, copious amounts of information is on leadership. I mean, you Google leadership books and you got 55,642 books on leadership right there available for you right now. And so over the last hundred years, there have been philosophies and concepts of all kinds of leadership come out of the secular world. And it is, it is amazing some of the information that we've gleaned from these uh, concepts and philosophies. But here's the deal. Over the last 10 to 15 years, research from the secular world is starting to notice that there are huge gaps in the philosophies and concepts proposed by the secular world. And so the organizations that have been buying into the philosophies that have developed over these last hundred years are now realizing that it's not, they're not as beneficial as, as first thought, which has opened a huge opportunity, a huge door for a new emerging philosophy theory called servant leadership. Now, let me just pause for a second. If you're in the secular world and you have an organization, you do not care if the philosophy or concept comes from the word of God. You care that it works. And what is happening is over the last 10 to 15 years, this movement of servant leadership is starting to infiltrate the secular world. And the secular world is saying, oh, this stuff really works. This is awesome. And the thing is, is that new emerging concept, that new emerging servant leadership, it's not new at all. It's been around for 2,000 years. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I came to what? Serve. I came to give my life as a ransom. Jesus epitomized to servant leadership. Matter of fact, before he, was, before he was crucified, what did he do? He washed the disciples' feet. He had all power, all authority, knew exactly where he was going, and what did he de decide to do in that room? He decided to wash his followers' feet. And then he looks at his disciples and he says, you do the same, wash each other's feet. So servant leadership is not a new theory. It's not a new concept. It's been around for thousands of years, but now the, the world has this, there's this huge door for us to bridge the gap on servant leadership. And I'm here to tell you this morning that we want to raise up spirit-led servant leaders from this house. And I'm going to add Spirit-led. Spirit-led. And I think that's an important addition in the servant leadership uh, theories. Matter of fact, um, when I'm writing my papers uh, for uh, school, I'll start talking about being led by the Spirit, and the professors at Regent will be like, you're on to something. This isn't, there's not out here. It's not out here. And so here's the deal. Spirit-led servant leaders do this. Spirit-led servant leaders focus primarily on their relationship with Jesus. In a, in a, the, the premise, let me read you this. The premise of servant leadership is that the leader is the one who seeks to serve and that the serving is a natural component of the leader. The focus of the leader is on the follower and their behavior. So here's the deal. So a servant leader does this. I'm the leader of a team. Okay, I have followers, we have a vision, we have a goal, we have a mission. A servant leader, instead of barking out orders, a servant leader says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to focus on the followers, 
and I'm going to enrich your life. I'm going to empower your life. I'm going to elevate your life. I am going to, in a church context, call the Christ out in you so that you can fulfill God's destiny in your life. I'm going to use my influence, my leadership to make you better. And what happens is that as you make the people around you better, we all get better. And what happens is you end up going further, faster. And this is what the secular world is starting to figure out. This is why you have this whole team concept. This is where the whole coaching, mentor stuff goes in. Because now organizations are saying, oh, whoa, whoa, newsflash leader, you don't know everything. So if you will focus on the the prize and the jewels and the people that have been put around you and you will sow into their lives, you will glean some understanding about the organization that you would have missed elsewise. And so as you sow into them, then the organization grows and the organization goes further, faster, faster. Now, I will add spirit-led servant leadership, and to me, this is, this is essential for the whole concept, is because if the leader focuses on their life, uh, uh, their, their relationship with Jesus, now listen to me, if I receive my influence from the Holy Spirit, if I receive my leadership influence from the Word of God, If I receive what I need to lead from King Jesus, then as I turn to those that are following me, I will lead them where Jesus wants me to lead them. This is why it's so important to get into your word. This is why it's so important to to be a a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And now some of you are saying, that's easy for you to say, Pastor Daniel. You're speaking from a church perspective. But I'll tell you what, in your organization, in your company, in your workplace, those people that report to you, if you will lead them the way Jesus wants you to lead them, you will have an opportunity to bring them to him. So this works everywhere. This works everywhere. And so the concept of spirit-led servant leadership is this. I focus on my relationship with Jesus and I am influenced by him, and then I in turn influence those around me. And if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. We have the best leader living inside of us. And sometimes, in some places, in some instances, we will look to the world to get our wisdom. We will look to the world to to get guidance instead of saying, hello, listen to the spirit that lives within you the holy spirit is within you he will guide you into what all truth and so what spirit-led servant leaders do is they they bring forth the kingdom that resides and pastor ken just dr kramer said it this morning the kingdom that resides within you and you listen to those insights and then you lead from that perspective. And so turn with me to um, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 10, and I have 18 minutes to do this. Let's pray for a miracle. (sighs) Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. (laughs) Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 10. So here's what I've done. I, I, I I have decided that I'm introducing this concept to you today or introducing to you spirit 
uh, led servant leadership. I could talk for uh, quite some time. So if something seems incomplete, it is incomplete because I haven't had time to articulate it yet. All right. So let you know, I know, let's go. All right. <laughs> so Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 10, we find the apostle Peter. Now the, we find the apostle Peter uh, in Acts chapter 10. This is a key moment in scripture. Matter of fact, some theo- theologians uh, say that when Jesus is talking to Peter about the keys of the kingdom, that he's prophesying this instance. I thought that was an interesting thought. Like this is a key in the book of Acts. Now, if you're wondering, the book of Acts is the history of the church. Luke wrote the book of Acts and the book of Acts is important for us to study. Now, one of the reasons why I like to study the book of Acts, I don't know if you're wired this way. I like to look at actual situations to see how things evolve. So the Acts gives us the story. So if I'm, you know, if I'm a spirit-led servant leader and I'm trying to figure out how to be, how to be a spirit-led servant leader, then I will go to the text that has a narrative and begin to glean from the life of Jesus, glean from the apostle Paul, glean from the apostle Peter. How did they function in their particular context and how can I apply that to my life to be a uh, spirit-led servant leader? And so we're gonna pick up in Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. Uh, we find the first Gentile that gets the conversion of the first Gentile. His name is Cornelius, Cornelius. Now I'm gonna breeze through this uh, story for the sake of, uh, of time. So Cornelius is familiar with the Jewish ways, though he is not a Jew. And so Cornelius is a commander of of some people and he is following the ways of the Jews and he is devoted to God. So he has a relationship with God. And so he would pray to God consistently. And so in one of these times, he's praying to God and he has this angelic visitation. All right, now some theologians say Jesus himself came down. I don't buy into it, but I do like that. Okay, so he has this visitation. This angel comes down and says, Cornelius, your prayers have, have been heard. Your, your offerings to the poor have been heard. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to Joppa and I want you to get Peter. And so Cornelius gets a couple of his folks together and says, hey, you, you go to Joppa, go get Peter. All right. So meanwhile, as they're making the road to uh, making the the trip to go get Peter, um, Peter is at uh, Simon Tanner's house and Peter is a devout Jew and he would pray at a certain amount, a certain time of the day. Now, Peter was hungry. How many of you hungry? All right, let's pause. I'm hungry. And Peter was hungry and he goes on top of the roof to pray. So he gets on top of the roof to pray and he begins to pray and he has this vision. Okay, the sheet comes down from heaven. I think it made this noise, but I'm not sure. I like it. The sheet had four corners and and then inside the sheet were these four-footed animals on this sheet, okay? So then this voice says, Peter, get up, go and kill. Peter, get up go and kill. Peter says, no, Lord, I have never eaten anything unclean. Peter is having a problem with the vision that God just gave him. So the vision is repeated. No, then a voice cries out, says, do not call anything unclean that I have deemed clean. Happens three times. The sheet goes, what? 
Come on, let's make that sound. I'm a youth pastor. Ready? Sheet goes back up to heaven. My first point is this. As spirit-led servant leaders, we need to be people of prayer. (laughs) It's simple, but it's so true. We need to pray. Nothing happens in the kingdom unless we pray. If you're wondering how you can serve this house, how you can serve the kingdom of God, you need to pray. You need to pray. Some of you are saying, Pastor Daniel, I don't like to pray. Well, get over it. Jesus says, pray, 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 get over it. Well, I don't want anybody to hear my voice. Well, well, uh, uh, get over it. <laughs> pray, 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 pray. I don't know how to pray. I don't have the words. Well, you're not going to have the words until you start speaking some kind of words. Pray, 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 pray. Well, I'm reading a book on prayer. Well, that doesn't really uh, benefit you that much unless you're praying. Stop reading about praying and pray. And so there's a couple opportunities you can pray. You can pray on Saturday morning at at 7 a.m. right here in this room. And if 7 a.m. on Saturday morning is too early for you, uh, it's too early for me, then you can pray right in this room at 9.25 on Sunday morning. We gather at this altar, altar right here and we pray. Now, this is what I've noticed, that once you get with a bunch of people that are praying, it becomes easier to pray. You think it's the other way around. You think that when you start praying, everybody's looking at you. But if there's 40 people praying, they're not looking at you. I'm just telling you. They're not looking at you. Some of you, do you want me to set you free for your worship? They're, people aren't concerned that you're raising your hands in here. They're not looking at you. So raise your hands. Get free, get free, get free. Pray, 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 pray. Peter prayed. Spirit servant leaders pray. And the only way you learn how to pray is to pray. And when you pray, things change. Things change when you pray. Things change when you pray in your house, in your community, in your marriage, everywhere that you are, as you begin to declare the kingdom of God, things change. And we are a house of prayer. So if you're uncomfortable with prayer, I say this to you. I welcome you to be uncomfortable in here, but you need to start praying. Just get over it. Just get over it. Get over yourself and pray, all right? So, so the first thing you do is pray, all right? So he has this vision, the, the sheet goes back up, and uh, Peter was still wondering about the meaning of the vision, and the men come, they call Peter out, and Peter was still thinking about the vision, verse 19, and the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. I think this is a couple interesting things from this. First, Peter has this vision, and he's perplexed about it. It says he's wondering, and then a couple of verses later says he's thinking. One translation says he's perplexed about the vision. Have you ever had a vision from God that you were perplexed about? Uh, I have. So as he's perplexed, he's now walking down, and the Spirit talks to him as he's perplexed. But the Spirit doesn't tell him the meaning of the vision. The Spirit tells him, hey, go with these people that are coming. Now, this is what we know in the story. I'll give you the the end of the story, is that Peter understands the vision that God has given him in the house of Cornelius. He doesn't understand the vision there, but he will understand the vision as he moves. Second point is this. Spirit-led servant leaders listen. They listen to the Spirit of God. They listen to the Spirit of God. They listen to the Spirit of God. This is what I am convinced of. In the American church, we are so distracted that we can't hear the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. And the only one that can solve that is not me, it's you. We need to start shutting things down so that the amplification, uh, the, the voice of the Lord becomes clearer in our lives. 
And so we need to choose, you need to choose, I need to choose, do I wanna be spirit-led and hear from the King of Kings or do I wanna just coast and go with the, with, and conform to the pattern of this world? The choice is yours, the choice is mine. One, one thing you can do is start clicking things off and then the voice of the Lord becomes clearer in your mind, in your life, in your heart. You will be able to discern what he's saying. And the apostle Peter got an exact word from the Lord, which some people are like, hey, he doesn't speak that way anymore. Well, yes, he does. The Holy Spirit is here to guide you into all truth. He not only speaks in his word, but he speaks to your heart. It will always confirm, be confirmed in the word, but he will give you specific instructions from your life. In Joel, in chapter two, he says he will pour out his spirit and the young men will dream, and the young men will see visions and old men will dream dreams. Vision is, visions and dreams are a New Testament reality that should be pursued by the believers of Jesus Christ. And they are available for you. And the reason why Peter had a vision was because he consistently prayed. He put himself in a place where God could do something supernatural. So pray, listen, number three, go. Go, move, move, church, move. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith without works is dead. Move, move, move. I give you permission today move towards what God has stirred up in your heart. Move towards it and begin to, to fulfill what God has pushed, put on your heart. Matter of fact, you can tell anybody that you come across that has a problem with it, you can say that Pastor Daniel told you you could do it. And I will take it, I'll take it on the chin. You know why? Because I will stand in front of anybody and say, yes, I gave them permission to fulfill what God has put on their heart. I gave them permission to obey God. <laughs> now, if I gotta stand for that, I'll stand for that any day. Stop waiting for, God, for something to happen and begin to move towards what God has put on your heart. Move, pray, listen, go, and Get out of the way. So here's, uh, oh, I'm doing good. I got seven minutes. Man, I was talking fast. I need to take a break. Whew. So here's what happens. Uh, the apostle Peter goes to Cornelius' house, right? He goes to Cornelius' house. Now Cornelius has, has brought all his families and friends in. Cornelius looks at P the apostle Peter, falls down on his, on his uh, knees in reverence. Uh, the apostle Peter says, get up. I'm just a man sits down, says, do you know that me sitting down talking to you is illegal, but I've seen this vision that I am not supposed to say things are unclean that are clean. Peter starts getting it. He's getting it. And then he says, why am I here? And they said, well, I have this angelic vision. The angel told me to get you. You're here. Now talk to us. <laughs> what a great place to be. So Peter does what any believer should do if you find yourself in this situation, preach the gospel. <laughs> Peter preaches the gospel. And then one, my favorite part in the whole passage is this, verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all those who heard the message and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit and started speaking in tongues and praising God. And Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of them being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray, listen, go, 
and get out of God's way. Now, the longer I'm with Jesus, the more I try to get out of his way. You and me need to create space for Jesus to do what only Jesus can do. Peter finds himself in this spot. He's in a position, and the Holy Spirit just takes over the whole situation. Have you ever been in one of these situations? I, 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 we have a team of 28 that have signed up to go to Mexico this year. I just think that's amazing. We're going to Mexico. Yeah, Puebla, Mexico. Um, in August, we do a VBS, we do a service project, we do a medical clinic, we're going to do some street evangelism. I mean, it is going to be awesome. It is a week full of just God doing amazing, mighty things. So, so I went down to Mexico. Now, listen, you know how many Spanish words I know? Uh, Rochelle does. See, she laughed. <laughs> I, I am one of those people that have tried to learn a language and can't, just can't get it. And some of you are sitting in this room right now, and the reason why you haven't gone to another country is because you think you have to know the whole language. And you don't. You just need to have someone that does. <laughs> and I'm going to Mexico another year. Now, I'm not saying don't study Spanish. I'm not saying don't, don't put your work in. I'm just saying that sometimes some people have things that they just really can't grab a hold of. And so I'm in Mexico the first time I'm in Mexico and I, and I'm, uh, I go down there and I want to work like, so, so I'm a pastor. Now I came from a drywall background. So I, I understand people that, that, that like really, really work for a living. I'm not saying I don't work for a living, but I know the difference. <laughs> I really do. The sweat equity. I've been there, done that. But when I go on a mission trip, you know what I want to do? I want to sweat. I want to do something. I'm like, I, I can't tell if I'm really, I, like, I can't tell what God's doing in your heart right now, but I can paint a fence, and I can tell that I painted a fence. You see, that's why I want to work. I want to work. So down in Mexico, they have these bars on these windows, and so I'm painting these bars on this window. Real tedious. You have these little paint brushes, you know, and so I, I decide this is what I'm going to do for the next three days. For four hours a day, I'm going to paint these bars on these windows, Wax on, wax off. No, just kidding. <laughs> painting these windows. And next to me, I'm painting windows with this Mexican man. Now, he knows as much English as I know Spanish. And we paint windows for three days. And uh, we had the, the, the best time. Like we would laugh at each other. Uh, and, you know, the day two goes by, he takes my paint jug and hides it. Like, so now... So now <laughs> Now he's like playing practical jokes on me, you know, and, I, and, I, and I'm thinking to myself, this is so awesome. I, I love this guy and we can't even talk, but we're buds. Like, I'm serious. Like if somebody came and tried to mess with Pastor Daniel, I think he would bow up. I mean, I'd be like, dude, I can put, I, he's going he's gonna to go with me, you know, like, let's, let's do this thing, you know. Uh, and so we're working and, and so the, that night, the Thursday night, I get to preach. And, and so, you know, I'm in one of these spots where I'm like, Jesus, you're going you're gonna to have to do this. <laughs> Because I have absolutely no faith in my ability to have you uh, communicate the gospel in a whole different language right there. And I don't even know what you're doing. So uh, it's a little bit stepping out on faith. So I preach the gospel. Sure enough, gospel works in every country. Yes. Message of the gospel is preached 
15, 20 people gave their heart to the Lord. We have this pause, and I have a couple words of knowledge. One was like a back, and so the lady got healed, and then the Lord started giving me these words of knowledge, and, and I'm just, you know, sharing these words of knowledge. And Sandra Smith, Sandra, you are awesome. She's fixing to be ordained in May, and She's, she's my translator, and you can't have a better translator than that because, because Sandra Smith, I mean, she is taking up my, you know, you know, I'm passionate. I'm like, bang, you know, and Sandra would be like, bang. So she's, a, she's like, I mean, she's getting down. I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. And so I, I share a, a couple words of knowledge. And one of the words of knowledge I had was somebody in here is struggling with alcoholism, and Jesus wants you he delivered today. And from the back of the room, my buddy that I've been painting with all week stands up and he comes forward. And it, and I, and then it messes me up today. <laughs> Look, 15 years ago, 18, 17, 18 years ago, I was living in my mom's house, stealing her checks to buy alcohol. I was an alcoholic. I... When I got sober, I had this slogan, sober for the month of October. That's how I started. I drank so much one weekend that when I got home, I had such a hangover, I would go buy some beer so that I could settle my stomach. And I'm on my front porch, and I drink three beers, and I black out for hours. And I wake up in a pool of blood that I had puked. I know that's graphic, but that's where I was at. And not a few years later, Jesus radically transforms my life, delivers me completely from alcoholism, gives me a beautiful wife, a beautiful family. I mean, he has radically changed my life. The goodness of God is so awesome. And I stand here having a word of knowledge from the Spirit and that man that I've been painting with is going through the same thing that I had been going through. And when he comes up there, I pray for him. I don't even know what I said. He gives his heart to the Lord right there. And I pray for deliverance. I don't know. Sandra's praying. I don't know what she's saying. Hopefully she's saying something. And I embrace him. Now, listen, if, you know, some of you don't know me that well, but I'm not a hugger. <laughs> now, you'll know that if you try to hug me. <laughs> My team knows this. It'd be like, bang, side hug, bang, side hug, you know, fist pump. Woohoo, we can do this, especially flu season. Do fist pump, flu season, fist pump. But I embraced him, and we just and God, you are so awesome. Now, how did I end up in that situation? Spirit-led servant leader. I prayed, I listened, I went, and I got out of God's way. I got out of his way. I think we need to be a church that raises up spirit-led servant leadership. Here's the thing about being a servant leader. You will not care who gets the glory. 
<laughs> you will be concerned that God gets the glory. You won't be concerned who has the microphone. You'll be concerned who's, who came to Jesus. You won't be concerned about my prayer healed so-and-so. You'll be, you'll be concerned with our prayer healed a nation. You know, I, I, I mean, we need, to, we, need to, we need to stop looking at the culture, the world's system of thought and say, how can we do something here? I'm not talking about the church down the road. I'm talking about how lighthouse, what if we raised up two, three, four, five thousand believers in Jesus that were spirit-led servant leaders that would pour out their life in every facet of their life, be it at home, be it at work, be it at church, be it in our community, be it in our schools, be it in, in the hospitals, wherever we were at, we would hear the word of the Lord, we would elevate those around us, and we would go go further, faster. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to just bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. I do not know everyone in this room, but Jesus knows everyone in this room. And maybe you're here this morning and you haven't given your heart to Jesus. And I mentioned it a few Minutes ago, how over 15 years ago, I gave my heart to the Lord and he changed everything. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. That word believe means to trust in Jesus. And maybe you're here this morning and for the very first time, you want to put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You want to put your full weight, your full life in the hands of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm going to count to three. And when I count to the number of three, you just raise your hand up as high as you possibly can. If you want to give your heart to Jesus this morning, one, is he knocking on the door of your heart? Two, is he drawing you? to be a son or a daughter of the Most High God. Three, put your hands in the air. How many, how many this morning want to give their heart to the Lord? I pray every time I preach, somebody comes to Jesus. How many, how many this morning? I see that hand. How many, how many? I see that hand. Now for the benefit of those that have raised their hand, I want us all to repeat this together. Jesus, I love you. I'm so thankful that you died for me. And I'm th so thankful that God raised you from the dead. Lord, I confess I've missed it. But I believe that you have done what only you could do. And today I devote my life to you. Now, I want to say a second prayer, and I want to pray this over the church. I want to pray that we begin a journey to understand what it really means to serve one another, to serve Jesus, to serve our community, that it wouldn't be something that we would make up. It wouldn't be something that we would produce in our own strength, but we would be led by the Spirit of God. Lord, I come to you today and I just thank you for your goodness. Lord, I thank you for your authority and your wisdom. And Lord, I pray today that 
something shifts in the atmosphere, Lord, that you would release, you would unveil, you would, uh, you would speak to each and every one of us in how we are to serve this house, this community, in this season. Lord, I pray that as you release that, as you encourage, as you as you uh, encourage people to go, that we would obey your leading. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. All right, beautiful thing. Hey, I'm gonna uh, go over these two pieces of paper briefly. Everybody doesn't need to stay for the second one. I would like everybody to stay for the first one.